The boys are back. This episode is the men's <clears throat> IPF recap show. We got Aria Messi, Kamesi, Rory, the linchpin, Lynch, and your boy Six Pack Lapidat. So we got, again, we have a unique perspective on the IPF World Championships. I was the commentator for every single session, except for one, and that was the men 59 kilo class. Um, Arian was obviously a national team coach for several showdowns. Rory, a coach as well, handling for several of the main showdowns. And Rory, Rory was also on the platform as a ref for several of these showdowns, including some of them that we'll talk about so we could get his feedback on some of these things. Um, and we'll probably, you know, throw him under the bus. Anybody wants, wants to get holla at him, um, but, uh, <laughs> red, red light, Rory, red light, Rory. And, um, and yeah, so we'll go division by division and recap it. I got my notes. We got the records pulled up. We got the, all the statistics. So let's start crunching fellas. Um, let's start off with the 59 kilo class and Arian, we had the metal favorite, not show up. And this really threw a lot of our fantasy league for a loop. Um, I mean, we took a bath on this fantasy league with Leah Babwa <laughs> pulling out. And that, that hurt not only Leah Babwa, but it swung the national team win from France to US. Every time there was a tiebreaker now, and we went to national teams to break a tie, we all took a bath and took an L. So, and then if you anyone bet on Megan Scale and they they bumped up way much obviously uh but this but the 59 kilo class we took an L do you know why Leon didn't show up no I didn't hear anything from anyone and they it's not like they had like a big team there or anything like that to like talk to any of the lifters and uh I didn't ask the coach uh so I'm not sure what happened it, it could just be different reasons maybe they didn't get a visa maybe you know they got injured um uh possibly but i'm not sure is like ecuador's had a number of failures recently so maybe like he wasn't allowed to compete but i haven't seen anything on that either nonetheless um he he wasn't he didn't show for whatever reason and he was the favorite i think all of us picked him to win is that right yeah, so at least that helped us out in the fantasy league. It's like everyone kind of picked him to win. It was just how many points you assigned to him. Well, all of us anyways. I don't know. who, Whoever might have, like, like we took a bath. If someone else out there did not pick him to win, I mean, you never know. Especially seeing how Antoine Garcia is from France. Some people, even if he's the underdog and you're from France or, you, you know, Europe, you might be picking him anyways, right? Just out of, yeah. that's your boy. You, you know him. You're going to pick him. And then, oh, my God, he won you know, it pays off type deal. So it is what it is. But when we look at this, um, you know, his day didn't start off great. He got his opener, missed his 215 second attempt, missed his third attempt. So he goes one for three in squat, two for three in the bench press, but his day finished off well, uh, where he went three for three in the deadlift session and netting a 565 kilo total, which is obviously well below what we usually see with Fedoshenko representing Russia, uh, but Fedoshenko, due to the Ukrainian-Russian war, was not able to compete. None of the Russian athletes were. So we're, we're, this is what we have. Um, Takaharu from Japan coming in silver overall, 10 kilo behind on the total, going three for three in the squad event, going two for three in the bench, and two for three again in the deadlifts. And then uh, Merdad of Iran, with the 532.5 kilo total taking the bronze medal. Um, is there 
any any highlights here you want to throw in here? Because I admittedly did not see this. I seen highlights. I seen obviously the results page, and I heard about Leon not making it. But this is the one session because my I had multiple cancellations on my flight, so I ended up actually showing up the wee hours of the morning. Um, and then they said, and this was the first session in that morning, and they said. Sleep in, my man. It's going to be a long week. And I was like, oh, thank God, <laughs> fellas. Thank God. But um, any anything else you guys, guys want to throw in or is that pretty much summing up? I mean, from my side, yeah, I don't remember if I watched the entire, this session entirety because it was one of the earlier sessions and I was getting ready for getting Jonathan, you know, on weight and everything like that. Um, but what I do notice from looking at the score sheet is just seeing the Takaharu's third attempt deadlift. So the second attempt he made the 220, and then they decided to jump 15 kilos to 235 to try and push Antoine Garcia. So I don't remember how easy Antoine Garcia's second attempt was that they felt they needed to push that much, um, but potentially because they were behind two and a half kilos on second attempts is they could have potentially taken a smaller jump. Like they went up 10 kilos from 210 to 220 and then mm. decided 15. So maybe they could have gone another 10 and then put the pressure on Antoine Garcia to have to pull more. Uh, and then below that as well, I didn't see Mohamed from Algeria's attempts, but he missed a 220 in his second and third, which would have um, you know, helped him get into bronze medal or get close to it. Depends on um it would have depend obviously what the lifters do based on uh if he had made a second or like that. So there was some battle for first and second, some battle for third and fourth, uh, but Overall, it just seems like Antoine Garcia kind of picked things up when it came to deadlifts and kind of uh, stayed in the lead the rest of the way through. In some shades there of um, the 93 kilo class, when you got a dead first, and uh, not to jump ahead too much, but a little foreshadowing <laughs> when Jonathan Keiko loaded up, and you just got to take your best guess on what you think you need. And sometimes you tip over or sometimes whatever. It, it is what it is. But uh, so we'll move on to the unless Rory, did you have anything you want to add on there? You get to move on to the 66s. I think the only thing that I'll add there is that uh, looking at the Sheffield qualifier, I don't think any of these gentlemen hit it. They had to hit 95% of the world record, uh, which belongs to Fedoshenko. And it is, you know, these these guys were a little way off that. Um, so I think none of these guys got the automatic invite to uh, to Sheffield. Yeah, no, uh, Fedoshenko's, I think his top end is like around 670-something. It's uh, it's ridiculous, whatever it is anyways. So I was going to say, that, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say that, yeah, they didn't get it. But also I want to mention, uh, Ryan, if you want to mention what the uh, top three for each of the lifts was, like as far as the medals. Yeah, sure. So in the squad event, um, Mohamed from Algeria with a 215 got the gold medal um Garcia from France got the silver medal and Takaharu from Japan got the bronze in the bench press it was Takaharu who got the gold medal and uh again Benjamin Yu from Canada Canada's own got a silver medal in the bench press or Zafari from uh, Iran got the silver medal or sorry the bronze medal on the bench in the deadlifts Antoine Garcia sealed the deal, getting the gold medal in the deadlifts, which also sealed the deal for the overall gold. Uh, Takaharu got the silver medal, and uh, it's actually the one, two, three overall as well, where uh, Zafari from Iran got the bronze in the deadlifts. And I don't remember what happened with uh, Benjamin Yu's bench, but it's interesting that he missed his first two and then got the third to stay in the meet and get the silver in the bench. It's all or nothing, man. <laughs> Move all your chips to the middle. Let's go. Um, mm -hmm. so in the 66 kilo class, now the 66s was heavily hyped. Um, 
if Russia was at this world championships, we would have had two-time world champion Glykick there. We would have had the young upstart who had actually defeated Glykick and Ilya show up. And Ilya is an absolute monster 66 who's going to be all types of problems. Both of those Russians, unfortunately, could not compete. But even without them, it was an absolute stacked division. We have U.S.'s Jonathan Garcia. Uh, and I got to tell you about him, Arian. You're his coach, as well as handling him. Kyoto from Japan, Penna from France, the returning world champion, Jonathan, Joe Jordan, and Eddie Berglund from Sweden, the junior star, all clashing, all these guys world-class. And as it turned out, Jonathan Garcia taking a world record on the second attempt squat with 263.5 kilos, bettering that world record and clinching the gold in the squat event with 271 kilos on his third and final squat. Kyoto goes three for three and Pena, whom coming into this event, and he talked about it a little bit on the podcast, had some personal issues. He didn't go deep into it on the podcast and I respect that, but it had to do with his father. He was willing to say that much um, and they were severe. And then on top of that, he got injured. He actually has that injury caught on video because he records all of his sets and it's fucking pretty gruesome. I'm going to share that when his podcast drops. Then he lands in into uh, the the, the uh, South Africa. He's at the venue. He's with everybody. Fucking catches COVID. So it, he didn't know it was COVID at the time. Um, he was testing negative and then later on tested positive, which is actually quite common because it happened to me. But uh, not at South Africa, but previously. So my man's couldn't catch a break. I remember last World Championships, he was famously said on the podcast with all these, it's a stack six, six kilo class, but the powerlifting gods have chosen me and I'm the one. They did not choose him this time around. That's for sure. Um, he had a lot of things working against him, but the, the battle when he hit the squat event, he went three for three in absolutely his last squat warmup was a complete grinder in the back. Um, he shared it and it is a full on pen of grinder. He hits the platform and goes 235, 245, 250. And his 250 kilo, 551 pound squat was the grind. It was, he was the grind king had returned type deal. Um, you know, I was, I was losing my mind on the commentary. It was good enough for him to hit the podium and take a bronze medal. Um, and we'll revisit that. I had worried about how much did that rob him though, with how fatigued he was when you're ill. He was so sick. He, he missed Turbo Tiff, who was his athlete. He missed her you know, her showdown with Heather Connor and wasn't there and had to be back at the hotel room watching. So he took a bronze medal and hit the podium, but we'll talk, we'll speak on how it ended up unfolding as, as uh, everything kept going. Now, Joe Jordan was heavily hyped coming in. He was my pick. Um, obviously Eddie Berglund was heavily hyped coming in and he was some other people's picks. It was kind of a flip them for a lot of people between Eddie Berglund and Joe Jordan. Penna's you know, the injuries and, and the things that are going on in his life was well-documented and out in the air, and he is forthright with it. So he became, despite being a world champion, a bit of an underdog. Some people are still picking him because he's a, you know, he's a, he's a fan favorite and a sentimental pick, maybe. But between the healthy people coming in, Eddie Berglund and Joe Jordan were the big picks. Both of them went two for three in the squat event. Eddie Berglund finishing off with a 250-kilo squat, taking the silver medal. Um, and Joe Jordan hitting 245 
and finishing off podium, coming in fifth overall in the in terms of the squad event. Um, so that's how the squats rounded off. Arian, I want to get your impression. You are the programming coach as well as you were on site to help handle Jonathan Garcia when he took the gold in the squat event as well as the world record twice over. What were you thinking after the squats had concluded? Man, we felt pretty good after squats because, like you had mentioned, Eddie and Joe Jordan both missed their third attempt, so that helped us out. And Joe had posted a 255 squat in training that was pretty difficult, but maybe had a little more in him that day. So going from the 255 in training to now missing 250 in the meet and end up with 245, it like brought down the projected numbers I had for him and showed that like maybe the weight cut or travel, or whatever was affecting him and may affect him going for further as well. And then for ourselves, uh, yeah, the plan was to chip the world record squad on the second attempt to have that and then go from there with the third attempt, how much more based on how the second moves and the second went great. So he we went that with the top end, which what I had was 271. He had hit 280 in training before this cycle and before he's done more, but you know what weight cut and depth and travel and all that stuff like that. I thought 271 would be uh, plenty for him. And it was like a seven kilo PR in a squat. And initially it was called two to one, no lift for depth. And then uh, Mike Zawalinski, who's actually the head coach for USA, went to the jury and protested for me and got to overturn. So that was a positive for us. We got three for three. We maximized our squat. And then in the meantime, Eddie and Joe had missed their third. And then just the other thing to add on to that, the reason why I did 271 and not 270.5 was to set up for the total world record, which was 705.5. So we had to get the 706, which is one kilo above 705. So this 271 would have set us up with the bench and Delft to be able to get to the 706 on a perfect day. And uh, I mean, look, at this is just shades below 600 pounds, 145 pound man squatting just shades below 600 pounds to world championship level. Cause everyone knows how freaking tough the world championships is for calling every, some people said it was too tough at points. And for him, a 145 pound man to be squatting just below 600 pounds is fucking insane. You know, uh, Jonathan or, uh, Jonathan Garcia, obviously, you know, living up to those billings. Everyone said he's a big squatter. The biggest thing would be, does he, is he going to get low enough? And um, you probably loaded the bar exactly right if it was two to one against him and then got overturned in his favor. He was probably obviously right on that edge, right on the razor's edge. What were you thinking there, Rory? I think the only thing that I would add is that um, we typically think of Eddie Berglund as being a bench press specialist, right? Um, and so it's interesting to note here that he actually got the silver on squats here, squatting exactly 250, which is the same, I think, as Panna. And they both weighed in at exactly 66 kilograms as well. Um, so uh, the reason that uh, Eddie got the silver and Panna got the bronze is that Eddie did it first. He did it on his second attempt, and I think he went on then to miss his third, whereas Panna hit 250 on his third. So in the case that you're uh, lifting the same weight and you're the same body weight, the person who does it first is the person who who walks away with the higher placing. Um, so that was kind of cool to see as well. He's obviously been putting a lot of work into that over the last few years when we haven't seen so much of him. Moving into the bench press event, and that's a good segue, um, Eddie Berglund taking the gold medal, you know, obviously relatively with ease. He's got a 202.5 kilo bench press on the day, missed it on his second attempt, retook it and hit it on his third. And that seven and a half kilo, he might have needed. 
we all know he ended up getting a 710 kilo total. Okay. And, and, and it's the world record total. It's the biggest for obviously we've seen in the IPF world championships for the six, six kilo class, but that was seven and a half kilo in a tight battle. We knew all of these gentlemen were going to end up close or around 700 kilo, or if not, we're capable of on a good day. So we picked up that seven and a half kilo and bench has been volatile for Eddie and always has been volatile for Eddie. Sometimes he's on and when he's on, you're in trouble, but sometimes he's off. And if he's off, his total can go from 700, 700 plus on today, right down to, you know, 680, 680 something. And um, he's going to end up just on the podium, but uh, on the podium looking up as opposed to with the gold medal around his neck. Amongst the other bench pressers, Garcia misses his opener, goes up anyway, hits his second and misses his third, leaves the bench press event um, going one for three. We'll get Arian's thoughts on that in a second. Kyoto misses his second, retakes it, and hits it, taking bronze, going two for three, and Kyoto being a level of um, consistency here already after the bench press event. Joe Jordan and Pena only get their openers. Jordan is 15 kilo lower than his personal best, which is a little bit shocking. Now, Arian said, looking at the squat, at least in training, he was trending for more and was missing less. Looking at his bench, it looked like it had taken a massive hit. That's a big hit in the bench press, 15 kilo. Um, Pena, I wasn't overly surprised that he had ran out of gas after his opener. You know, even on the commentary, looking at this live, I was saying how, you know, how when you're sick, you might be able to rally some energy just off of emotion early, but it's a long day. And he was running on fumes. You can see he was absolutely getting gassed out, but he got his opener. Arian, what were your thoughts here? Maybe walk us through how Garcia missed his opener and decided to go up and wait anyways in uh, the game planning on why you thought 170 you needed. Absolutely. And, and it obviously paid off in the long run. Yeah, I mean, as far as our attempts were con uh, concerned, with the 165, he jumped the press command. So uh, Jonathan likes to like, sink it in his chest a little bit. And so he was actually like pressing up, even though the bar was still on his chest. He was pressing up, getting it out of that like sink position. And then you hear the press command. So it's pretty clear that he jumped it. Um, and he was saying that, you know, it could have been like he didn't hear the chief referee or maybe he heard something else or like that. And so it was easy. It was fast, but he missed it just for uh, that issue. And he's done more again, done more in training, done more in, in a meet. Uh, he hit, I think, 180 was the top end we hit in training. So I felt like 170 was safe, even with everything else going on, because the squat was on point and he was feeling good and the weight cut was easiest this time compared to previous times. So I was like, okay, it's safe. We'll just go five kilos rather than we were looking into doing like 172 to then be able to go to 180 as a top end for the third. So I was like, let's go five kilos to still stay in the race because these other lifters, you know, are putting up good numbers as well. And I had been seeing Joe Jordan's projected total and what I thought he was capable of as well. So I wanted to stick with them. And so he smokes that fine. The, the, the change we made on the second attempt as well, which is an interesting thing is, uh, Jonathan told me when the chief referee says press for me to yell out as loud as I can press just so to make sure he hears it so that he's either hearing the chief referee or he's hearing me immediately afterwards. Like, so I'm trying to react as fast as possible to when I see the chief's going to say press to say it, to make sure he hears it and times it correctly. So he hits the 170 fine. But at that point, I didn't want to 
risk going from 170 to let's say 180 or 177 and miss and be stuck with the 170. So we had changed our game plan for the second attempt. We have to change our game plan for the third attempt. So I said, let's just go another five kilos, get the 175 and move on to deadlift and have a good subtotal going in. So I'll go out there for the 175. And he has the bar go down a little bit and struggles through and locks it out. And then he obviously gets three red lights for the bar going down. And then he comes to the back and he's like, he says his back's like locking up and bothering him. So he actually like had like kind of help him into the back. And then he had like lay down on his knees and then lay down on his back um, and take, you know, ibuprofen and and you know some electrolytes and everything like that so he may have been able to get it if his back didn't cramp up on him and he was end up being good for Della. but it's just like one of those things where like the, those muscles in the lower back just like lock up on you mm. and like you can't bend you can't bend over and it's like difficult to walk everything until it kind of like relaxes and releases itself so that kind of messed us up on on benches that that messed up the third attempt and he told me afterwards so lifters don't do this to your coach he told me afterwards he was kind of feeling it and thinking about it on his second attempt, but he didn't want to say anything or do anything, and then it messed him up on his third. So maybe if he had taken some more electrolytes or whatever um, going into bench and then maybe taken some ibuprofen after the first or second, he was starting to feel it, maybe it would have helped us out for the third, but you, you never know. But that that messed us up, unfortunately, for the bench press. As far as the other lifters as well, just to throw in there, for what I remember from Joe Jordan is they dropped the bench opener um, based on how the squats went. So his opener was actually higher and they brought it down. So I noticed that. So it's okay. That's a positive again for us that he missed his third squat and then are lowering the bench opener. And then for, uh, for, uh, Eddie, I don't remember what happened the second attempt. I didn't see it, but initially the third attempt looked like it was an X, like he was passing on it. So it's okay. That's another p- positive for us that are only getting the opener. Then Mike and I look a few minutes later and the two Oh two is back on there for a third attempt and he goes out there and hits it. So unfortunately that, that seven and a half kilos, he's able to grab, uh, hurt us because then they had a, a much bigger subtotal than I wanted going into deadlifts, which it kind of held us behind. Yeah. And Joe Jordan, like we all knew Penn had some reasons why he was, he wasn't going to have the greatest day, like indications anyways, even leading into it before we got to South Africa, he, he, he was damaged goods. Right. And he was, he was not shy to say that, but Joe Jordan, something was going on today and you could tell. You could tell by the look on his face, it was almost a concerned look. And the bench press was rather low. The squat was lower than we'd seen trending in his, his training videos. And then here we are when we show up. Uh, what were you thinking, Rory, watching this? There's a couple of things that I sort of had my eye on here. So one of them was obviously uh, Pana had some sort of pec or shoulder injury. I'm not exactly sure the details, but uh, I don't think he has been doing a lot of barbell benching going into worlds. And even now, well after worlds, he's doing a lot of dumbbell pressing, but not much barbell pressing because it's causing him pain. So like, uh, I guess disappointing, but not really surprising to see that his bench was down a little bit on what we might sometimes expect from him. Um, and I'm always curious to see what's going to happen with Eddie's bench. Of course, famously in 2019, he bombed not getting a bench attempt in. Uh, and his bench, depending on the day, like you said earlier, Ryan, varies significantly, right? You know, and even in meets in the last three years, he's benched everything from like 185 to like 218 in competition. And that's it's like a 25 kilogram swing based just on you know, the specifics of the day, you know, and some of those meets he was at 74, but even when he was competing at 74, you know, he was like 68 to 70 kilos. It's not like he was like way at the top end. Um, I, I, I think when you're that technical of a bench presser, the specifics of the platform end up mattering quite a lot. And so mm-hmm. I wonder if the the bench and the slippery carpet and, and the, div- the divots in the carpet, which were starting to form even by that point, were sort of 
like sort of play into that a little bit. Um, but it was nice to see that he didn't bomb. He got in a, like a fairly reasonable bench press attempt. A fairly reasonable bench press attempt. I mean, he benched 202 kilos. It's amazing. Um, but like he has benched uh, more than that before. And so getting in something that was pretty good for a three lift meet uh, with a cut in South Africa, like fantastic to see that. So the bench event ended off with Eddie Berglund taking the gold, obviously. Um, Kyoto taking the silver and Jonathan Garcia taking the bronze. Now, looking at the subtotals, heading into the deadlift event, Eddie Berglund, who forever is the subtotal king, hit 252.5 kilos. Jonathan Garcia is a 441 kilo. Both of those guys build the bulk of their totals in the subtotal. Kyoto had a 402.5. Joe Jordan had a 400 kilo subtotal and Pena had a 405 kilo subtotal. Now on possibly a regular day, Pena and Joe Jordan's deadlifts is where they start really start covering ground here. And we've seen in some other sessions and some other weight classes that we'll get to in a moment, the deadlifters pulled through. And the deadlifters started covering ground and the deadlifters either pulled off the upset or came close and came onto the podium, etc. But not today in the 60, not in this class. Anyways, in the 66 kilo class, um, the subtotal Kings became the overall Kings with Eddie Berglund, whom goes three for three in the deadlifts ended off finishing with a 500 and or 257.5 kilo final deadlift. Now that's sixth. Overall in the deadlifts, again, these are subtotal kings. Jonathan Garcia coming in seventh in the deadlift event with a 255-kilo deadlift, but also going three for three. So the subtotal kings were able to go three for three, and even though never threatening to be on the podium in the deadlift event, it's all they needed for the overall. Um, it's the kilos they needed, and they held off the charge, and there was a charge were Kyoto, who had the second biggest deadlift of the day, taking the silver medal, ended up going two for three, and he loaded up. He went from 282.5 in his final pull, loaded up for 295. Joe Jordan ended up going two for three as well. He had 285, and that was the biggest deadlift of the 66-kilo class. He loaded up in his final pull with 297.5, um, and it ended up being too much in Pena only getting his opener completely ran out of gas after hitting 265 still good enough for fifth in a deadlift event and fifth overall. Now looking at this, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to take a look at my notes. I believe Kyoto had loaded up 295 because he wanted to make a pull. Was it for the, it was for the silver medal and because he had pulled, he had loaded up to make a play to move from bronze to silver. Joe Jordan deadlifting after him also loaded up thinking. So if Joe Jordan wanted to pull for bronze, cause right now he's off the podium and he needs to pull for bronze. He, he doesn't know exactly when he needs to pull yet. And Kyoto pulled and missed. And at that point, Joe Jordan stuck with 297.5 and it was more than he needed for the bronze because Kyoto's deadlift or sorry, Kyoto's total ended up being, they both ended up, finishing off with uh, 685, but Kyoto beat him on body weight. Am I remembering this correctly? Yep, yep, that's right. They were both trying to pull for silver, and I don't know what the discussion was between Joe and, and Chance whether they 
thought about, hey, let's just go more conservative and pull for third. Or they want to just go after Kyoto to make sure that if they pull for third, Kyoto just doesn't pull for third again after them. Or they just want to go for second. So not sure what the discussion was there. But yeah, in the end, with the lot numbers and attempts, the way it turned out was Kyoto went first to try and pull for silver. He got called for uh, soft knees at lockout. And then Joe Jordan goes to try and pull for silver as well. And he just lost his balance kind of forward and and, and lost the bar. Because he was already locked in. You kind of like, they're banking on Kyoto's going to hit this. Possibly. And, and if he does, um, now you're off podium for sure. Whereas, uh, so it's a tough call, right? Like, do you bank on Kyoto might miss this? And we're going to go with a, a smaller deadlift that we think we might be more reasonable to hit. Um, it's, it's tough to say. Like the previous best for Kyoto. So I'm looking at this here. Kyoto's previous personal best was 280.5. Now make of that what you will. This is where Joe Jordan and Chance got to ask themselves, like, is 295 reasonable for Kyoto if his previous personal best is 280.5? But maybe. You never know. This is a difficult proposition. And then afterwards, do you load up for less and you pull first? Kyoto pulls after you. Kyoto does hit it and you're off the platform that way. It's difficult, man. It's, it's whatever you think you can live with when you're back at the hotel room. Um, cause you got to make this decision. Are you pulling before Kyoto or is he pulling before you? <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. You got 60 seconds by the way, to make this decision. And obviously they decided, fuck it, let's go. Uh, another, it's not also not just what you think Kyoto is doing, but what you think you could do on a good day. And Joe Jordan leading into this had a big deadlift on him, but his day just wasn't going the way they thought it was going to. Um, it is what it is, man. It's 2020 hindsight. This is the way it goes. Sometimes, sometimes it swings in your favor. Sometimes it swings against you. Rory, what are your thoughts on this and how it panned out, um, with the 66 kilo class? Yeah. So I think this really shows the right way to execute like game day handling when you have, uh, like a subtotal lifter, right? Um, so you get the biggest subtotal you can you go three for three on your deadlifts and you set that total in such a way that everybody after that now has to take these moonshot attempts to try and try and get ahead, right? You know, Panna missed the second attempt, went up like another five kilos or something. You know, he's now 17 kilos up on his opener in an attempt to try and jump from fifth into second, right? And so, like you were just talking about with these other other deadlifters as well, like this is this is what it, what, what's going on here. Uh, so I like from a execution standpoint, I'd really like to see that. Um, and the other thing that I'll point out is that we don't we don't really know what the objectives for some of these lifters were, right? Like we're talking about was Joe Jordan potentially wanting to pull for bronze, but needed to see what uh, Kyoto was going to do first? Was he wanting to pull for silver? Like we don't know what his goals were going into this, and that might affect the way that he makes those attempts. It's possible that it was nothing to do with the podium, and it's possible that he was going, I want the deadlift silver medal or something instead. Yeah, um, that's true too. Like, uh, I, in this case, I suspect it probably wasn't, um, but but it, but it could have been. And and without that information about what that lifter wants out of that day, we, we don't know, right? And particularly for some of these lifters who are in, you know, fifth, sixth place, some of these guys are going to be sitting there going, look, I don't give a flying fuck about moving from fifth to fourth. I'm going to pull for silver regardless of what that is going to do to my body, right? And so, and, and, that's a perfectly reasonable decision if if you're going into that saying the only thing I care about is being on the podium. Yeah, that's true. What do you think, Anarian? 
Yeah, I mean, going into deadlifts, another thing you don't see here is uh, Joe Jordan had dropped the deadlift opener as, uh, as well. So he had dropped the bench and the deadlift opener. And um, I don't remember if Kyoto or anyone else uh, cha or Kyoto changed it, but Eddie also changed it. So the Swedish team is kind of known for like just putting in numbers and adjusting things based on how warms are going. So maybe they're trying to see how Eddie's weight cut was going from 69 or 70 kilos down to 66. He makes 66 on the dot, and but he must have been feeling good because they bumped up the bench opener and they bumped up the deadlift opener. Um, so like you had mentioned, Eddie had the higher subtotal than, than Jonathan by 11 and a half kilos. And we bumped up our opener seven and a half kilos from 227 to 235. And they bumped theirs up too. I don't remember how much it was. Uh, so then they're up five kilos on the opener as well. So it made a very difficult position for us to try and catch Eddie at that point because uh, they're opening up with a heavier deadlift and they have the bigger subtotal. So what we, what we really needed from Jonathan's perspective was for Eddie to miss at least one deadlift, if not miss two to make it very easy for us. And so as he was making it, that's when it became less and less likely that we can pull big and take the position. So at that point, we had to defend the silver medal. So uh, Jonathan's second attempt looked fine. And then um, I was watching the other lifters. Joe Jordan's like opener, it seemed like the bar was kind of slipping out of his hand, but the second one was easy. And I know he uses straps. So I was like, okay, potentially he can miss the third due to grip with Kyoto. I've seen that he has soft knees before, even when he did like his recent Japanese meet, I thought it was soft knees, but they gave him whites. So I knew that was a potential as well. So initially I had put in 252.5 for the third attempt to just, you know, pad the total a little bit more and then see what these lifters can pull. And I actually had him ready in the staging area and I was thinking about it and I was like, uh, Jonathan's PR is 255. His second move well. He said his back's feeling fine. His squat was strong. Like everything is pointing towards he could do it. We, you know, we took a 12 and a half kilo jump from first to second and moved fine. So I went back over to the scoring table next to Mike and I was like, hey, Mike, you think he has another two and a half kilos in him? You think he has 255? Uh, that's his PR and, and make these lifters pull more. And he's like, yeah, I think so. And so we changed it last second to mm. 255. And he ended up getting that one and getting that 696, which then made those lifters have to pull, you know, those 12 and a half kilo jumps and then missing it. So it ended up working out for us because if we had done the 252, maybe, you know, it would have been easier for Joe Jordan to like not lose his balance with less weight. And maybe he would have been able to pull it off. I mean, it's, it was close enough, like two and a half kilo at, when you're at the top end, that's all she wrote sometimes, right? Like those are the decisions at the last second that can make or break the standings. And as it were, like, so Eddie Bergelin with a 710 kilo total there, the, obviously the world record, but Jonathan Garcia with a 696 at the world championships, when he traveled from the U S all the way to South Africa, multiple time zones. And I think the best he had ever done was 697.5. And he's breaking world records in the squat. I mean, he had a pretty good day. And then the battle to make it out. Look, Kyoto, we had said in the preview show, he's a threat. We were all obviously with good reason looking at Pena because he's defending world champion. Looking at Joe Jordan because look at all the hype behind him and what he did at the USVI Nationals with a 700 kilo total. If that could have transferred over here, that's a silver medal. If he could have expanded on that, which his training looked like it could, he was, he would have been obviously a, a major threat for gold, but this is sports, not the way it played out in Kyoto staying in the pocket. Um, you know, he's, if correct me if I'm wrong, he's likely a candidate to end up in Sheffield. None of these have been announced formally yet, but he hit the regional call. He's from that region and he's within 95% of the world record. He might be there in Sheffield and it's not as an also ran. It's not as a, 
you know, I'm going to show up and I'm no threat. You have a bad day and he's a good day. He can upset any 66 in the world. Kyoto is, Kyoto is invited to the party and he's actually going to be, he's in the hunt. Did you guys expect yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, we all figured he, you know, if he knew about the Sheffield numbers, he would try and go for that. And it was 670, which he's done more in the, in the higher weight class. So he was able to lock that in on the opener and then go for the placing from there. And he did do, I think, 700 in the higher weight class, like not cutting weight. So he knew the potential was there. The other thing I was just going to mention about the big deadlifters, something for people to think about, again, maybe a takeaway is um, when you go to Worlds and they have these primetime sessions or sometimes when they don't have the prime time and it's just a small weight class, the meat goes very fast. So mm -hmm. these primetime sessions were like eight lifters in the first flight, eight lifters in the second flight. If everyone shows up and everyone makes weight and they would take two and a half hours or lesser, maybe because they had a three hour slot with Eurosport, we also have to do the awards and everything like that. And so I was telling Jonathan too, I was like, Hey, it's good that your best lift is the first lift. When you have all your energy, we can maximize squat. And then for these other lifters who have the best deadlifts, then they're getting gassed out from squat, having to rush back and warm up for bench press and then do bench and rush back and have to warm up for deadlift. And you're expending energy and you're missing attempts and your momentum's going the wrong way. You're not motivated, maybe those kind of things. And so I was like, hey, these guys may miss their deadlifts because they're going to be gassed out. And and Joe Jordan didn't make a comment after lifting was done. He's like, I wasn't ready for this. Part of it was the weight cut with the travel versus the weight cut in USVI. Part of it was the speed and the mean, everything like that. So people want to be training fast in the gym, especially if you're doing the SPD day. It shouldn't take, you know, five or six hours because that's not what's going to happen in the meet. And then learning to adjust that if you are a big deadlifter and it is a fast meet, you may have to pull down numbers and adjust. I can tell you as a viewer, because I was doing the commentating, when it's fast turnaround, it was way better to watch. It was all action, all killer, no filler. Um, especially when the top five out of eight are in the hunt to, to win it. Five guys out of eight are in a hunt to win it. And if the Russians were there, it would have been seven out of eight guys could have won this. Seven and out just, of eight. And it just helps as far as the TV aspect. If you watch other sports, a lot of sports aren't taking four, five, six hours. You know, sports are taking two to three hours. Right. And you have halftime shows and those things in there. So the actual playing time is less. So for our sport to get it on your sport and get it more in viewers' eyes, you want to try and keep it as short as possible so people actually tune in and watch the entire thing. Ready to move on to the 74s, gentlemen? Let's do it. It is the return of the king, Taylor Atwood. Uh, we Okay, so let's put this per into perspective. We all knew Taylor Atwood was the heavy, heavy favorite to walk away with this. And spoiler alert, we could skip ahead. He does. He takes a gold medal on the squat, a gold medal on the bench press, a gold medal on the deadlift, and a gold medal overall. But here's the takeaway that you can't have. In 2019, when he did a 790.5 kilo total, it was his top end. He was overjoyed when he hit his big squat, overjoyed when he's hitting all of his lift, jumping up in the air and those pictures were taken with him like six feet in the air celebrating and he's all like oh my god and it's such an amazing moment fast forward three years he essentially slept walk to 790 kilo just 0 0.5 kilo below that and all of his thirds were not top end i mean his squat he's sleepwalking through it his dead he's sleepwalking through it and i talked to him afterwards and said, my man, in 2019, when I was commentating you doing this, it was like you were overjoyed hitting these numbers and walking away with 790.5 was a massive milestone in the world record. And you were, you couldn't be happier. Now you show up 
and you sleepwalk through the event essentially. And I say this, you know, he wasn't disrespectful walking out there. He's hits the same intensity for warm up, for his opener, for a second as he does if it's his top end lift. But it's the way the weight actually moved. You know, he was moving this as though it was beneath him. That's how easy it was for him to now hit 790. And I was like, dude, looking at how much you have grown since the last time we'd see you at the world championships. And he's like, my friend, even more than that, I was training maybe three times a week and I know the Taylor Atwood program. It is absolutely bonkers. The work rate that Taylor Atwood puts in when he's going to hit 838.5, like the previous USAPL nationals. I mean, the work rate and the amount of work he puts in is insane. He was at a three day a week, having a kid, a lot of life changes, dealing with some injury and shows up and 790 is him sleepwalking, ill-prepared in training. It's one thing to sleepwalk through it if you put in tons of work and then hold back on day of because the strength is there. This is him putting in 80% of the work and still holding back. And this is what you're going to look at. Can you imagine when he goes full tilt, if he stays healthy, when he goes full tilt for Sheffield, what he might do to these records when he's back to six days a week in the gym in the volume he's used to, and he's not holding back. He's going full tilt on meat day. God knows what we're going to see. I mean, he's, he could be doing eight fifty. It'd be remarkable. Um, beyond that, it, what, it wasn't just the Taylor Atwood show that we have some other storylines here, obviously, Alexander comes back representing Sweden. Alexander Erickson, um, he had some abdominal surgery coming back after that. And it wasn't that long ago, just weeks before the world championships. And there's a lot of different surgeries you can have, but an abdominal surgery, when you have squat, the weight on your back, you're deadlifting. Um, and still he ends up having a reasonably well day. Obviously his total took a hit, but 702.5 beyond that Rambo from France um, in the overall takes the silver medal but along the way bronze medal in the bench press silver medal in the deadlifts and joshua white from germany right goes nine for nine and i mean the bench press he falls behind he's in 11th place but a bronze in the squad event and uh or sorry let me 11th in the squad event fourth in the bench press event i'm getting my uh, stats here wrong in a bronze in the deadlift event uh being able to clinch it but it was super tight at the top Clinton Lee, Blake Barrett from the U.S., and Leo from Australia. Blake having a pretty good day. Depth with an issue with, with 260. He's got a bit of a squatting style where he's almost a sumo squatter, and hitting depth is always going to be an issue like that. And some people are commenting, why go with your feet that wide? Bring your feet in. You're going to be able to hit depth. However, if this is how he feels strongest, and he's able to shift that kind of weight, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it goes against it, trying to change your footing but ends up going two for three in the squat event, three for three in the bench press event, and then a big 300 kilo overall deadlift, narrowly missing 305. So the top end, after Taylor Atwood 790, we have Rambo going 732.5, just two and a half kilo below him is Joshua Wright representing Germany with a nine for nine performance going 730. And Clinton Lee of Singapore also hitting 730, missing out on body weight. 
Um, and then after him at 727.5, just two and a half kilo off of him is Blake Barrett. So between number two and number five overall, just five kilos separating this man. A super tight race where handling came into play. Uh, gentlemen, what are your thoughts and who wants to go first on this? Uh, sure, I'll go first. Um, yeah, I mean, the for I'm not sure what happened with Leonardo from Australia. His squam bench seemed to be similar to what he had hit in his previous meet, but the Delph was down. He had done 312 before, and he missed 300 here. So not sure what happened there, and that really obviously held him back, you know, possibly, you know, 15 to 20 kilos, which would have had him in contention for the podium. And then, um, yeah, the the handling really came down there at the very end for Delphs. If you look at Joshua Wright's attempts, uh, he's coached by Jason from the strength guys. He t- They took some, the German team took some big jumps and started gaining some ground. So he wasn't like in in third place going into Delos. He took a 20 kilo jump from 272 to 292 and then a 12 and a half kilo jump, uh, 292 to 305 to start gaining that ground. So they started coming from like, let's say fourth or fifth place gaining ground. And then, um, once uh, Joshua hit his 305, the other guys were all after him based on the lot number. So Blake Barrett went to 305 to try and, and get up to a uh, podium, and he missed. And then Clinton Lee, based on a lot number, tried to go 305 to get into the podium, and, and they both missed. So then at that point, Rambo was in, in third place, and Joshua was in second place, and Rambo just had to go up two and a half kilos just to take back the uh, silver medal. So pretty easy for him. He probably could have done more. He could have probably told maybe close to 740, whatever like that. But all he needed was to the two and a half kilo jump. So he ended up doing that and getting the silver medal. And also, you know, it serves to note as well, um, Dylan Nelson from Great Britain opening with 270 kilos. I think that was a European record and then jumped up for the world record, a 283.5 kilo squat attempt and literally emptied the tank trying to get this thing. And I'm telling you, like this turned into a meme, obviously. These shadies changed his name to from the swole shady to the spew shady. This young man almost painted the head ref the projectile vomit on this kid, but it was a gutsy performance. Look, he comes out. He is, he's a big 74. I don't know how much weight he cuts, but he's a big dude for a 74. And, um, he came out all types of hyped up. He's a huge squatter when he's not cutting weight in the gym. He's hit some massive numbers. I think he's hit 300 kilo. If I'm not mistaken, I can't remember my notes for the preview show, but a big squatter. The weight cut probably hurt him there and recomping really quickly as well as travel in the whole nine. So threw up, emptied the tank with that, with the world record on his back, retook the exact same way for the third. And I'm like, how the hell do you literally projectile vomit like he did? <laughs> Miss that lift turn around to the coaches and say, load it up again. We're going one more time. I mean, the guts (laughs) on this kid, um, and that was no pun, but the guts on this kid to do that. And um, it looked for a moment like he might have had it. He ended up losing his balance and the spotters and loaders caught him, but he started coming up with it again. I think 283.5 is there. The world record is there for him. He was in a moment where Taylor Atwood obviously was looking to, you know, collect gold medals and finish just below 290. He doesn't want to break his old record. Um, So the record's still there. He has an opportunity. There's the European Championship still to come, so he might take another swing at it. I would not be at all surprised if he picks up that world record. Um, He essentially just, I don't know what it was, 
you know, if, if it's the weight cut and you can dial it in or if uh, I think the Euros is in Poland, so it might be maybe a little bit of an easier travel than going to South Africa because weight cutting when you're traveling is very difficult when you're in the plane. For the longer you're up there at altitude, the harder it is to take off the weight, especially if you're water loading, et cetera. So there's other factors, obviously, but um, the 74s had fireworks, man. Look, Taylor Atwood, even though he was unopposed, he's been unopposed for years, really. Like nobody's, we keep hyping up, this is the year, this is the year. And he's, I, except for 2017, I think. And that's the last time he lost, but that's the last time I've actually seen him get for really real pushed. It's been years. He's a man on his own. So when he shows up, you're seeing something special. He gave us something special here, even if operating under 100%. But the rest of the field, two through five was a battle. And only five kilos separated all of them. And then obviously with Dylan doing what he did even. Um, and had he got that world record squad in him, his total would have jacked up as well. Rory, what were your thoughts, sir? Uh, there's just three things that I probably want to add that neither of you guys have said yet. So first of all, positions two, three, four, and I think five all totaled equal to or over what won last year. So if you remember Alexander Erickson, I think totaled 727.5 last year. And so the showing this year was amazing in that respect um second uh spew shady it was like it was the double projectile vomit that was um that was really impressive like like went for it like the spotters picked him up and like you know and then he went for it again um so so <laughs> so, so yeah if you, if you haven't seen it you should probably go have a look at that because uh, it was uh it was pretty good um but finally i would also like to say that um uh, blake barrett was actually originally in the b flight and if you're in the b flight it's really hard to challenge for position and medals and so on uh because you get to do your entire thing, particularly when we've got this primetime thing going on. You get to do your entire thing. Then everybody later in the day gets to just look at your numbers and go, ah, oh, he totaled 720 or whatever he totaled. Um, we'll just beat that on, you know, we'll just we'll just beat that along the way. And, and, and there's not much of like play there. You just have to do the best that you can do and, and I hope that it's enough. And so when the Cameroon lifter, um, Fagong, to champ didn't show up he was promoted from the b flight into the a flight and so going from the b flight to challenging for the podium on his deadlifts really cool for him um super impressive yeah no and he was close man i mean even in the number five position if you watch it you realize just how close all of those fellas were to podiuming it was super duper tight um that's where sometimes the rankings doesn't tell the whole story you know sometimes you're like i came in sixth you're like ah oh, well you weren't really that much of a contender no 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 right up to the very last deadlift i was threatening the podium and my the color of my medal could have been bronze or silver or whatever depending on who hit what like it, this was a super close race and to your point rory i do want to mention because i actually commentated on the b flight um in the bench press event the silver and bronze medal actually went to members of the b flight with uh maddie christensen from denmark taking the silver medal and in the bench press event uh tatsuya Kawashima from Japan taking the silver medal with a big 197.5 kilo for the silver and 195 for the bronze um, representing Japan. So yeah, like they look at, they got contenders, man, in the A and B flights. Um, the 74s were pretty action. Um, I actually, like, you know what? I think I'll rattle off the squad as well. So obviously Taylor Atwood taking it in the bronze was uh, Dylan Nelson. And then, you know, he would have ended up with a gold had he hit those world records, obviously. And Rambo taking the bronze medal in the squad event. And then the deadlifts 
The one, two, three overall was also the one, two, three for the deadlifts with Taylor Atwood, Rambo, and Joshua Wright sealing the deal. Gentlemen, you guys ready for the 83s? Let's do it. And we got our boy Rory who was helping out over there for Team New Zealand. You were in the corner with uh, Tim Monagatti. Was that right, Rory? Yeah, myself and Veronica, who's his partner, uh, were, were there. Got you. So the 83s, this was initially the battle of Tim Monagatti versus um, Delaney Wallace. And it was it's a historic battle, too. Everyone knows since 2016, America versus New Zealand, it was John Hack versus Brett Gibbs. Um, then 2018, it was Russell Orhe versus Brett Gibbs. 2019, it was Russell Orhe versus Brett Gibbs. In there, Brett had gotten revenge on Team USA and snagged of the 2018 World Championships. And then here we are, 2022, and the old rivalry kicks up in the 83-kilo class. And this time, same story, U.S. versus New Zealand, different cast of characters. It's Delaney Wallace versus Tim Matagati. Now, Tim Matagati's a quiet dude, shy dude. He's not going to do a whole lot of hyping online. And Delaney Wallace, for the most part, leading into this was like that. Me and Pete Spence leaned on him heavily at the PA Nationals, saying, my man, help us out and start posting more. Delaney Wallace said, say less. He's got some plans. Hired a videographer and started piecing together videos of like i mean the hype videos he had with the motivational speeches everybody remembers the i am a sniper video um some of these were all types of hype in one of the videos he had done this previously at the uscpl when he took a silver medal with an 822.5 kilo total he took snippets of some of the other top contenders that he would be facing and it was training videos and lifting montages of the guys that he'd be facing coming up i bring that up because Obviously, Tim Matagati was in there. Um, Jurens was in there. You know, some of the other lifters was in there, but there was one lifter that was omitted. And I recently had an Ahoro on the podcast. I mean, when I recently, I mean yesterday. Uh, that podcast will drop after this one, though, because this one has to go first. But I talked to him about that. I said, Anahoro, you weren't in that video. He said, yeah, but I don't think Delaney was the only one looking past me. And he actually said straight up, I didn't deserve to really be in that conversation though. You know, I wasn't in a lot of the preview shows about a threat and I didn't deserve to be. Now I'm not going to go into the big spiel of what that last deadlift session was. We'll get there in a second and we'll break this down um, event by event. But holy smokes was the 83s a memorable and good clash. Um, there was some upsets. There was some swaying back and forth in terms of momentum. And then the way it ended off was memorable. I mean, I had Bob Matthews on the on the podcast, and he was saying that last lift was the greatest lift I've ever seen, and I don't care if it was a hit or a miss. It was it was that crazy. But looking at it in the squad event, Delaney Wallace in training has hit as high as seven hundred pounds. This is different. And uh, that's obviously 217.5 kilo. This is different though. This is the world championships, a massive flight for everyone in North America, several time zone changes. So he ends up going two for three in the squad event. He hits his 295 kilo second attempt, misses his 302.5. Jurens from Great Britain is going toe to toe with them. They both open at 282.5. They both move to 295. And they both move into 302.5 for the third and final. 
but Jurens hits first and gets the gold medal. Delaney Wallace ending up with the silver medal. Bigger picture. Anaharo, whom nobody's really looking at, goes three for three with a 272.5. Owen Hubbard from Great Britain also goes three for three and ends off with a 277.5, which is a pretty good squat for him. Tim Monogatti misses 280 on depth with his opener. Depth is a little shaky for Tim. Um, in his training videos, you know, if, if anyone's going to ever critique, everybody knows Tim Monogatti is as strong as they come. You know, when it comes to strength, nobody's denying that. And he's totaled into the 800s, but he gets called on depth, retakes the weight, probably a good decision. Let's get one in hits 280 kilos. Now he's on the board, decides to move up to 295. I remember on the broadcast wondering, and this is the proposition you end up in when you miss your opener, you retake the weight or you move up anyways. This is a difficult proposition. If you miss your opener on a technicality like depth, but the strength is there. You go up on your second. You can miss your second on strength. It happens. Nobody plans on missing the second, but now you're proper fucked because <laughs> you're not going to get stronger. You could have retook the opening weight and gone lower, but you're not going to get stronger. And then, so in Tim Agati's, and and obviously in the next session, we have people like Chance doing just that gambling and it pays off. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen. You could do both and it both will work out. Tim Matagati in New Team New Zealand ends up retaking the weight. Okay, good. Now he's on the board. Now you have to make that decision. Is your third and final squat going to be the weight you had planned for your second? Is it going to be the weight you had planned for your third? So you end off where you planned on ending off? Or is it going to be somewhere in between? Rory, what was the discussion with Team New Zealand when all this was unfolding? Right, so it's worth pointing out that this happened really fast. So what happened was Tim actually got his opening squat. He got two white lights on his opening squat. We submitted his second attempt, and then the jury overturns it, and I got called back to the table. And so Tim wasn't even there. I sort of had to make that call by myself because I only had, like, you're supposed to have 60 seconds, but then when it gets overturned by the jury, you get, like, a little bit of extra time, but they don't start a new clock for you. So you've got, like, a moment to make a decision. And I'm like, fuck it, we're doing it again. Like, well, let's not let's not go up, mess around, and, and miss it, right? Like, that would be a really bad way to start the day. So... I'm actually glad we made that decision, uh, but but it ended up hurting us quite a lot because it did mean that when we took the 295, the 295 was really fast, and we got, I think, mm. one one white for that. Of course, I went to the jury, um, which is basically an obligation, but but they, they weren't having it, and and honestly, that was probably fair, um, but if but if we'd gone, you know, 280 got it, missed 295 on depth, I think we probably could have got Tim to depth. Um, if we'd had another shot at it. And that 15 kilos, I'll talk about it when we get to the deadlifts, the 15 kilos actually ended up making a massive difference to the way that the whole day ended up falling out. Um, so it was a shame, but it was what it was. We got the, we got our squat on the board at least. Um, and watching some of those other, that the other lifting was really good as well. Um, Inohoro has worked a lot on his squat. I think he's gone from, you know, he was previously a deadlift specialist and now, you know, it comes seventh or eighth on squat like it's not phenomenal compared to the rest of the a flight but like it was it was solid um 
Owen Hubbard came out with what was a very respectable squad for him. I was really impressed with the way that uh, Delaney Wallace was executing on the wet day as well. Um, I think uh, he probably has a tendency to squat high in training also, um, but he definitely wasn't on comp day. He was nailing it on comp day largely. See, so I don't um, think he does squat high in training, but all right. <laughs> but you're a red light Rory, so okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but but yeah. Uh, so and and all of this was happening super fast because, like you said, it's uh, the whole meet took like two hours and twenty minutes or something. And so like we weren't stopping to talk. It was it was you know do the thing and then immediately kind of moving on to the next thing. Um, it, that two ninety five that you ended up settling on for your third and final was that the was that the weight. You guys had you guys had planned to do higher for your third. Did you bring down your plan third, or was that you know when you got to South Africa, like this is going to be our third? Uh, we had a range for our second and a range for the third, um, and the the two ninety five was in the range for the second, um, and it was uh, and we didn't really even consider jumping into the into the range for what was originally planned as the third. So that was sort of the planned second, approximately. That's what I figured. The way he blew that, obviously, is training, but that adjusts on the day of. But he blew up all these squats. Strength was not an issue. It was depth. Um, in the warm up room, was depth okay? Obviously, we were we were being really careful about it in the warm up room because, like, like we we go into this with our eyes wide open, right? Like, I don't I don't go into these going, yeah, like all of my lifters are perfect all of the time, right? Like, uh, sorry. Uh, to be clear, I don't, I don't coach Tim day to day, but like I don't I don't go into that going. Tim executes every squat perfectly all the time. I go into it knowing sometimes he cuts depth. I also go into it with you know with some of my other lifters going, hey, sometimes this lifter drops the bar when they shouldn't drop the bar for deadlifts. This lifter does his cap sometimes lift their ass off when they're benching. I need to keep an eye on this in the warm ups. And so like I'm very cognizant going into that. Uh, he knew it. Uh, Veronica knew it as well. Um, and so we were being very careful and we were actually warming up with Team Sweden and a couple of times we were like, you know, Oscar, come over here, like, watch the step with me. And like both of us watch and be like, yeah, 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 that was, that was solid. Um, one thing that does make it a little bit hard is Tim has a quite a narrow squatting style um, and, and, and it does mean that there isn't a lot of depth there. Like even when he absolutely sinks it, it's only, it's only kind of just in, whereas there's some ways of squatting that when you bottom out right like when you reach your hip lock you know you're two inches below parallel whereas when tim bottoms out and you know gets that hip lock it's it is below parallel like clearly because he did get a 280 squat in, in the hardest meet in the world um he, he he can do it um but it isn't way below parallel still gotcha irene what were your thoughts after the squat event yeah i mean uh, as far as tim I've seen the same thing. Like whenever you repost some of his training videos, some of them do look high in training. He did do that local meet in April, I believe it was, where he got all the squats in. Um, so, you know, at that point, I assumed like his depth, at least at that meet and going forward would be fine. It just turned out here that it kind of just came back. Like once it gets on a platform, maybe with some heavier weights, he kind of just goes back to cutting a little bit. And as we said, depending on the session, some of the referees were a little bit harder when it came to depth than other ones. Um, so that that hurt him. The other thing I was going to mention, which Rory probably is going to mention anyways later on, is part of the plan for Tim would be not only to win the world title, but also to get the Sheffield spot, which you need an 800 kilo total. So, you know, he could have maybe gone like 285 or 287 and got his total up another five or seven and a half kilos. But at that point, going from fifth to fourth wouldn't matter um, when they're trying to go for the uh, Sheffield spot. So um, I'm sure Roy would talk about that more when we go to the deadlifts. And then with um, the top guys, yeah, it's just like 
Uh, Delaney, for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to put that 822.5 total together again, and it started showing there when he missed that third squat. The benefit for him was that, like like you had mentioned, Jerns had missed the same weight, and as we said, Tim had missed two squats. So like when he came to the back, I was actually handling Kristen, but I was watching someone. I was like, hey, dude, like he was kind of like obviously disappointed. I was like, hey, it's fine. These other guys missed as well, so it's not like you lost ground over there. You know, we're, you're all kind of staying the same, and. He was like, no, that's not good enough, man. That's not good enough. So uh, he's re- he's really hard on himself. But obviously, it also showed like, you know, I wasn't paying attention to Anaharo because if you remember last year going into the meet, he had a pretty solid total as far as his uh, back in his uh, in Hungary. But at Worlds, he was injured, I believe. So his squad and bench were much lower and he just came away with that Delville record. But now he's able to get his strength back up. So yeah, I wasn't looking for Anaharo to be that high up. So it actually, as we'll talk about later, it did come really close. And obviously, if Delaney had that third squad, I would have given him a little more cushion um but the way i was thinking after squats is like hey delaney hasn't lost ground because these other guys were missing as well and that's like when you're the lifter and you get your blinders on you're just focusing on yourself which sometimes makes it way easier when you miss a lift you don't know if anyone else has missed a lift and you beat yourself up because you're like fuck i'm swinging the door of opportunity open for everyone else and but this is sports man you miss, that's fine. Even if you were the only one amongst the contenders that missed the lift in the squad event, chances are not everybody else you're going against is going to be nine for nine and not miss a lift. People miss lifts. The day's not over. But Delaney is a perfectionist. And not only that, he hit 822 and a half kilo total like in 2020, in 2020 or 2021. I forget, anyway, like a year ago anyways. And he's progressed in training. So that's why he's frustrated because he knows not only is he already done 822 and a half, he's capable of doing more. He just hasn't brought it to the platform yet. And, uh, but on the flip side, and he knows this now, like, and any, he kind of knew this leading in because everyone's telling him you're going to travel to the other side of the world. These, this, this is going to be like a 30 hour journey, multiple time zones, the whole nine with world's you know, the, the officiating is fucking extremely tight and difficult and everybody will tell you that. So it's different. You just win, even if you got to win ugly sometimes. Going into the bench press event. So Delaney Wallace, again, he has hit 200 kilo, I believe in training. Um, so 441 pounds is there on a good day. He thought it might be there. Opens up with 180 He went two for three in the bench, but he goes three for three in the bench, or sorry, two for three in the squat, but he goes three for three in the bench press. However, finishing off with 192.5, that might be lower than he had suspected. And, um, you know, now he's gone five for six, but his total is probably going to be a little lower than possibly previously planned, which makes it a little more vulnerable. We'll get into that. In the deadlift event, Jurens from Great Britain going two for three, missing his third bench, but he'd only went up two and a half kilo on his third bench. So he's not leaving a lot of kilos on the total. Um, but Delaney taking the silver medal in the bench press, taking the gold medal was uh, Owen Hubbard, whom attempted the world record 219. Owen tossed the world record back and forth with Brett Gibbs. Back in the day, I remember them posting and tagging each other. And there's a bit of a rivalry in terms of the bench press in the 83 kilo class. Owen taking the gold in the bench press, but missing the 219 world record bench press on this third and final. And Enahoro 
Although he only did 145, he still went three for three in quietly building his total, going six for six overall. Um, and still at this point, I mean, just to give you a measure of where he's at and what kind of a bench or a deadlift artist he is. In the squat event, he's seventh overall. He's squatting 601 pounds. Respectable, respectable. But again, you got guys like Delaney Wallace who are capable of on a good day getting into late 600s and he's hit as heavy as 700 in the gym. In the bench press event, 145 kilo has him in 21st place. It is extremely rare when Agatha Shitko is bench pressing the same as you and you are a legitimate, legitimate contender for the world title. And we'll get into the deadlifts in a second and we'll talk about the drama that unfolds, but he's in 21st place in the bench press event. Also, Tim Matagati going uh, three for three in the bench press. So the squat was a little bit shaky. Ends off leaving with 180 kilos. And uh, we'll get Rory's impression here. Rory, what were you guys thinking? Um, where did you want to end off in the bench press? Was this where you guys are thinking that you would end off in the bench press event? Did you readjust after going one for three in the squat event? And what were your thoughts when you're looking at the rest of the pack? Obviously Delaney going three for three, but some of the other fellas missed, um, Owen Hubbard missing and Juren's missing, which opens up a little bit more opportunity for you. Cause you needed some people to miss a little bit. Uh, yeah, so that was Tim's call. He came out of the squats and he said, for bench, we're going to take the conservative track. And I'm glad that he made that, made that decision, and I think it ended up being the right decision. Um, so the original, we had an original sort of A track aiming for a little bit higher than that, and then we had sort of the projected, like, you know, the B track conditions aren't best track and that's kind of what we ended up following and so we took the you know the slightly conservative route um went th three for three it was probably a good call i don't know if a lot more than 180 was there like maybe 182 but probably not much more than that with the benefit benefit of having been able to watch the 180 and go ah maybe a little bit more was there so i think it was a, a, a good decision on tim's part to you know stack up a few kilos there good to see a couple of people missing um that kind of helped us as well uh, but of course as arian was saying earlier um the sheffield number arian was actually uh, 799 which given that the deadlift world record going into the meet was 338.5 meant that with a 180 bench and a 280 squat if we could deadlift 339 we would have exactly hit 799, which would have been the Sheffield qualifying total, assuming Inohoro didn't push the record up in the meantime. And of course, we suspected he was going to push the record up, but at that point, we had no idea how high. And like, if you'd asked me how high, I definitely wouldn't have said what he actually ended up attempting. Um, well, well, just let me, let me well, help well, you out here. He, 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 the record was 336, and that was Inohoro 336. So you're reasonable in thinking... It's totally reasonable in thinking, fine, he'll take the record, but not for a ride like this. Yeah, so so we were thinking, like, maybe 339, regardless of podium, to lock in the Sheffield number. Like, maybe it ends up get also getting us on the podium, and that would be great, but, but, but if that gets us the Sheffield number, that would be great also, right? And 340 is not that much more than 339, but, you know, it does... You know, Inohoro had 340 or 345 or something um, originally as his deadlift opener. And we're like, is he actually opening on that or is he going to drop it to 325 and then, you know, break the record on his second or something like that? Um, 
spoiler alert, that's not what happened. And so we did end up having to adjust the deadlift, the deadlift plan. Uh, but that's that's sort of sort of where it was at. Um, Tim made the call to take the conservative track. I agreed with him. We took the, the conservative track. He executed. Perfect. Rory could have opened up with 339 deadlift so that you get the record before Anaharo gets it. Well, that's dicey, but high <laughs> risk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't I think going one kilo up and not risking it all is better. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> but you're right. Well, you're I mean, whatever. Yeah. What were you thinking, Arian, looking at all this? Um on bench, you know, again, I thought uh Delaney was in a good position. He had um a bad time on bench when it was at nationals like he missed his opener and he only did 190 at nationals to so be able to come to worlds and be able to make three benches to get 192 then at least he's like doing a little bit better than his toll from nationals on the bench and helping him you know stay ahead of these other guys um like rory had mentioned jern's missing you know uh hurt him a little bit and owen missing hurt him a little bit so then delaney was able to gain a little ground on those two guys and then with um Anaharo, yeah, it's interesting that he got 21st in the bench press, um, but it kind of goes back to some of the things we've been reiterating in previous episodes, um, and people have been saying that the competition is so high now, you can't just be good at one lift. Even as good as Anaharo is at deadlift, it's not enough for him to win the world title, so um, being 7th on squat and 21st on bench is not quite enough. He needs to get those numbers up, and once he does, then having that beast of a deadlift is going to help him get that world title, so... He did good going six for six at that point and setting himself up. Um, but yeah, looking at it now, you can kind of compare yourself to other people around the world in your same weight class and see where you have to make improvements. And talking about, for instance, Jaren's, um, so he had his previous best squat, 295.5, and he hit 295. So he's in his previous bench, like that was his best bench. He tried to get like slightly more and add two and a half kilo onto it. So even though he missed his third squat and he missed his third bench press, those are PRs that he's attempting. He's still having a good day. Um, you know, he's at the upper end and considering a travel and whatnot, like if, there was, if this was a domestic competition in Great Britain, maybe he's hitting these thirds and he's hitting some PRs. Very difficult to do this at the world championships, but he's in the pocket. Now, going into the deadlift event, I'm going to rattle off the subtotal so you get a clear picture of what everybody was dealing with here. Um, so let me pull up my notes, fellas. Delaney Wallace moving into the final event had a 200 or sorry, a 487.5 kilo subtotal. Jurens had a 467 and a half kilo subtotal. And there was your one in three, or sorry, because Owen Hubbard was in number one by subtotal. Owen Hubbard had a 490 kilo subtotal. Now, Owen Hubbard obviously is Mr. Subtotal when it comes to the 83s. He's got an, a workable squat. He's at the top end, but it's that bench press that is an absolute monster. And on a good day, he'll take that world record. Tim Matagati had a 460. So he's behind Jurens, obviously behind Owen Hubbard likely going to pull over an Owen Hubbard. Is he out pulling him by 30 kilo? I mean, it's, it's a bit of a deficit. Um, he's behind Jurens by seven and a half kilo. Can he out pull Jurens by seven and a half kilo? And then obviously Delaney Wallace has him by 27 and a half kilos at this point. Um, and if you're wondering, Enaharo, now we're talking 490, 47 and a half, Jurens 467 and a half, Enaharo, walked into the deadlift event with a 417.5. Just to give you how far back this young man was. 
And we all know he's a deadlift artist. But this was a catch-up, how-you-like-me-now deadlift event that we had never seen. Um, before we get into all that, I want to get Rory's impression. When you're, when you're, you got Tim Monogatti here. Delaney and Tim are reasonably close on the deadlift. Tim is not out pulling Delaney by, you know, 27 and a half kilos. That's for sure. Jurens, seven and a half kilo, not a crazy deficit to have to overcome. Is it right now, silver medal, Sheffield, and the gold medal's done, and you guys have had this conversation, or are you not having that conversation? You're keeping it to yourself, because, but this is, this is obviously the plan. So some insight into the way that I at least do the game day coaching is that I tend not to have these conversations on the day. Um, we have these conversations like a week before and we go through a set of scenarios where we're like, you know, hey, if first is on the line, do you like and, and you have to pull something a little bit outside of what we think your range is, do you want to do it? Um if second is on the line, do you, would you rather pull for first and potentially risk losing second, or would you rather defend the second place and 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 lock in that total and defend against whoever's in third or fourth or fifth? Um, hey, if you miss your squat on some technicality, do you want to do it again or do you want to go up? Like we we have these conversations well in advance, and obviously we can't carry every cover every scenario, but it gives this pretty good idea of of expectations. And then so on the day. We don't have to be using up, first of all, the pressure 60 seconds, but also the focus of the lifter, which should really be on executing the next lift. And so we're going into this and very clearly our priorities are, first of all, qualify for Sheffield. And the number that we needed to, for Tim to qualify for Sheffield was 339, probably 340. That's a big number, man. That would have been a world record had Enohoro not been there, right? Like, and... On another day, Tim probably would have been good for it, to be honest. Um, like, it wasn't it wasn't way off. Um, and so, basically, we were looking at this and we're going, okay, we need a deadlift 27 kilos more than Delaney. Uh, we need a deadlift within 40 kilos of whatever Enohoro pulls. It's okay. He's not going to pull 385. That should be okay. Um, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is me doing the maths, right? Uh, for, within 40 kilos, that should be fine. Um, yeah. And so on and so forth on the way down. And so it was like, okay, well, the numbers that Tim is going to need to be on the podium are probably the same numbers that he's going to need to go to Sheffield. So that makes this really straightforward. Um, but we, unfortunately, opening at 340 is probably unreasonable. So we're going to take the jumps that get you to 340. Um, and that was that was kind of the extent of it. So top priority was Sheffield. And then it was placing once we'd once he'd locked in the Sheffield. Now, I had already said how last year on his, you know, at the end of the deadlift session, Enohoro had left with a 336 kilo deadlift. Um, he had previously hit 350 in the Hungarian Nationals at 771 pounds. But he was opening. So even if you thought, all right, he's good for 350. And the 336 at last year's Worlds was an off day. And that, despite it being a world record, I know it's insane, but... Um, when he was opening with 345.5 kilos. Now he's opening the deadlift session with a world record. On the commentary, I had said, this is a dicey proposition. Whatever you would hit in training is one thing. 
but you're at the world championships with all the flight, all the nine. Um, you just maxed out a squat. You just maxed out on bench press. And now you're deadlifting. You're going to open up four and a half kilo below your previous personal best. And the more weight it is, the more four and a half kilo is a very small margin and percentage of you're essentially when you're talking 350 kilo and 345.5 kilo, you're essentially talking the same number. You're not really going to feel a whole lot of a difference in terms of percentage wise. And it's a world record. So I had said, my God, is the opening too heavy? Is this going to be a battle and it's not going to look like an opener and uh, he's going to take this world record and then he's going to be, you know, moving up five kilo here, five kilo there. And by this third be missing. What were you guys thinking when you saw 345.5 on the bar? Arian, let me get your impression. And then I'll ask you, Rory, because you haven't talked yet, Arian. Um, you know, for this session, like I said, I was coaching. Uh, Kristen was in the other flight. So I was also like initially like focusing on obviously warming her up again, the temps. And then once that was over, since she was in the first flight, I was looking over at this. And yeah, I mean when someone's opening up that heavy, like you said, he had done 336 last year, he had done 350 in a meet, but opening 345.5, you have to assume either, yeah, one, something really bad's going to happen if they're not experienced, <laughs> and if they're not experienced, or two, that's the kind of progress they made and they're on point. Because also when you have a 345.5 opener, you're assuming they're going to take big jumps if everything is on point. For that kind of weight, the percentage jumps, you know, is going to be like you had seen like 15, 20 kilo jumps. So you're thinking, okay, he has a lot in it. Maybe he's going to go up 15 and then 10 or 12 and then 10, something like that. So at that point when you start to see that um, especially because you see, can see the projected total off of the opener deadlift, you can see that Anaharo is actually in the battle. It doesn't matter what he squat, squat and what he benched. Um, he has this monster deadlift, and these other guys had missed squats or benches or both, and gave him that ground to catch up. And just for you know, you said if he's an inexperienced lifter, uh, he's had three competitions. Two of them are world championships. Just just throwing that out there. This was his third competition. People talk about Anahara like he's a wily veteran because you see him twice at the Worlds already, so you just assume. But no, my friend, he's it, uh, it, he's a he's a rookie in the game in terms of experience, which is. Scary. But it could also be the experience of whoever's picking the strategy. So 100%. he may not pick oh, yeah. the game plan. It could be the Hungarian coach, maybe that experience, or it could be he's coached by uh, Joey Williams. Flex, uh, William Squad, well, Will, yeah, yeah, William from Joey. So they have experience too at attempt selection. For so sure. maybe they picked the game plan and said, "Hey, based on what you're, you're capable of hitting in training, whatever three seventy five or whatever uh, they thought projected was, we think you should open up here." It's just even like them picking. They don't have a huge data set on how do you perform on meet day? How do you perform on like the whole thing was crazy. Rory, what was your impression about this? So I initially thought that was fake, right? Like yeah. you see somebody opening. And, and, and it's not just like a little bit above the world record, right? It's close to 10 kilos above the world record. I knew he'd done 350 at Hungarian Nationals, but I have no idea what the quality of Hungarian Nationals is, right? Like, uh, you know, you hear about somebody doing something at a local meet and you're like, okay, cool, but I will take that with a grain of salt. And so is Hungarian Nationals like that? I don't know. I've, I've never seen it. I've never seen a live stream. Like I... Is 350 at Hungarian Nationals equivalent to doing 350 at Worlds? Probably not. But it is it equivalent to doing 350 at some random Fed's backyard meet where the plates aren't even calibrated? It's probably not that either. So it's probably somewhere in between those extremes and how good 
that is, is 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 hard to gauge, right? So I'm looking at this 345.5, and I'm like, that that's not real. Like that 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 can't be. This can't be happening. Um, and and then it was happening, um, and it was just as good as it looked on paper. It, it was. It it looked like an opener. Like like the, the you set aside the fact that obviously this is a world record. Um, it moved like an opener. If you didn't know what the weight was and you couldn't see the weight, you just saw the bar moving and him moving it and how easy he jolted it. It was like my, you know, on the commentary, I'm like, oh my God, if this is where we're starting our day, where is Inaharo going to end his day in the deadlift event? Um, so catching up on the rest of the field here, obviously Inaharo famously opening with 345.5 and is in the lead in the deadlift event. Delaney, Wallace, and Jurens back to being neck and neck, just like they were in the squat event. Um, Delaney and Jurens both hitting 302.5. Owen Hubbard hitting a 250. Tim Matagati opting to open up with a 305, securing his total, and now he can start marching towards that um, Sheffield qualifying that uh, you had previously talked about, Rory. In the second round of polls, Delaney Wallace jumps to 315. Jurens jumps to 320. Both of them hit. Now they're trying to somewhat separate themselves from the pack. Delaney's trying to separate himself from the rest of the pack and start teetering over 800. Jurens, who's having a good day, he has previously hit like 320 is his top end, so he doesn't have a whole lot of room to grow, but he's trying to cover some ground enough that he could defend silver and see people coming. And he's built himself up a total, even though he's been missing. I mean, he missed his third squat. He missed his third bench, but he still is at his top end. He's still having a decent enough day. And the 320, that's his top end. So it looks like you're seeing a bit of a pattern here. If you're watching it, you're wondering if he needs to hit this third deadlift. Can he hit this third deadlift or is he going to teeter over? That's what it looked like in the squat and the bench press. Owen Hubbard hits a 280 kilo second deadlift Tim Monogatti misses 330 and Enaharo frightens the rest of the world by pulling 362.5 kilos 800 pounds in the 83 kilo class and yes once again it moved exactly like a second attempt would you're wondering is this going to move like a third attempt or is he even going to hit it 800 pounds in the 83 kilo class is ridiculous. It's hard to wrap your head around. That's a massive deadlift in the 93s. And Anaharo legitimately made it look like a second attempt and not a third. Not a grind. Nice, smooth, easy work. Rory, what were you guys thinking on Team New Zealand? Um, you could talk about Tim Monogatti missing 330. And then you could also talk about how the rest of the field started unfolding. So at this point, we were largely ignoring the rest of the field. Like, obviously, I was watching in a horror because that is amazing. Um, but we were so focused on the 340 that the rest, what was happening everywhere else actually didn't matter anymore. Like, Sheffield was such a high priority for us that we didn't care what anyone else was doing. And it was, so it was always, it was just, we got to get to this 340. And so the 330 was actually really good. It was, it was fast. Um, but he got two reds for his shoulders being flawed. And once again, I tried it on with the jury and they weren't having it, which is, which, which was fair. Um, so that is, that is something that I think Tim will have to work on uh, is that his, his lockout, his shoulders uh, look like they're a little bit forward. Does it, It's not helped by the fact that his shoulders are enormous. Um, but uh, yeah, so so it was fast and it gave, it gave me at least good confidence that 340 was not 
a completely unreasonable thing to ask. And so that was got it sort of where we're at. Watched the 362 and uh, from Enohoro and like you, uh, six pack, we were like, that's what a second looks like. Um, like, like ignoring the fact that it's 362 kilos, like that's, that's what a second attempt should look like. Um, so yeah, very, very impressive. And suddenly I was looking down at my score sheet. I'm like, okay, so we have to deadlift within 40 kilos of that, which is like suddenly <laughs> actually starting to get to be quite a big number. Um, and then saw him to put in 375 for his second. I was like, Ooh, that's big deadlift, man. Uh, yeah. And, and, um, uh, to your point, obviously, like with Tim, strong as hell. If he comes back, oh, like obviously he's going to come back. It's not even a strength issue. Just the small technical things. If he starts, if he gets green lit um, or white light for those squats, those deadlifts, and it's just a lit, he blew up the squats. He's just got to go a little bit deeper. He could just clean up the deadlifts and the pole strength is there. Um, you could see where he's going to be a, a big challenge if he rematches Delaney Wallace when he rematches Delaney Wallace. If that's at the next World Championships, I'm sure we're going to see him again uh, like before the World Championships and he's going to blow up some kind of local meet or or even maybe in a regional meet because I think New Zealand is hosting Commonwealth, are they not? There we are. So, um, Arian, what were your thoughts, sir, on the second round of deads? Yeah, I mean, uh, you guys already talked about Inaharo, but the other thing was like for Delaney, that was a critical second attempt for him to make because they went at 12 and a half kilo jump. So if he had missed that, then going in the thirds, he would have a 790 kilo total. And then all these other guys right behind him at 787, 780. And then, you know, Owen Hubbard took a big shot um, to try and go for placing as well. So that second attempt was really critical as far as the main the main competitors going in that you should that Delaney and the team are probably following is that gets him the 802, and so now Jurens needs to put you know another 15 kilos on there, 335, when his PR is 320, and then Owen Hubbard at that point would have to put like another 30 kilos or or 32 and a half kilos on his or 35 because of body weight, and you know his PR is around 287. So you're looking at those competitors like this second attempt for Delaney really locked it up that those guys weren't going to catch him, and they're going to have to worry about fighting for second and third place, and then. Yeah, within Aharo, you know, he smokes the 362.5 like it's nothing. And initially he puts in 375. So that initially you were thinking as well that Enoharo is going for placing and just bumping up his world record delf more. And that Delaney has it locked up until obviously they changed at the very end. Right. So um Jurens moves up just two and a half kilo, which is small, but like we said, he's already at the top end. He's not going to be able to threaten and cover the gap on Delaney Wallace. Delaney Wallace, after his second deadlift, was looking at an 802.5 kilo total. Jurens, after his second deadlift, was looking at an 787.5 kilo total. And he was at the top end of his deadlift capability. So he's bumping up two and a half kilo. Now, why do you only bump up two and a half kilo? Well, he locked in his placing on his second which is good. Now he sees everybody coming and you just want to nudge in a few more kilos because other contenders are going to be pulling and other contenders are going to be looking to pull to add kilos on Owen Hubbard opting to go for a 302.5. And this would not get him a silver medal. He's just trying to pull himself onto the podium. Owen Hubbard misses. Um, Jurens opting for that 322.5, Jurens misses, Delaney Wallace misses. So all three of those gentlemen miss and their totals are solidified where they're at. Tim Matagati pulls. It would have pulled him 
into a silver medal position. But more importantly is, as Rory had already said, it would have pulled him into a Sheffield position. Um, and obviously that would have bumped everybody off down the podium as well. Jaren's moving down into bronze. And then whoever would have been into silver at that point, put a pin in that conversation, but would have been bumped right off the podium. Um, so Tim misses, and now he's currently in fifth place. And Sheffield, at least for right now, is still up for grabs. I mean, he could end up doing a regional possibly and trying to qualify again. So as of today, on that day, Sheffield was off and so was the podium. So this is where we're looking at right now. And the podium looks like it's in place. And we have Inaharo still left the pole. And I would have thought Inaharo was looking to pull for the silver medal and not the gold. And in a quick conversation in the back, and most people, I mean, Delaney Wallace, after he missed his third deadlift, and that third deadlift really would have put him beyond reason for everybody, including Enoharo. And it was Enoharo he had to worry about. At that point, Jurens was not pulling to overtake his gold. Nobody was pulling to overtake his gold medal. His 802.5 was a big enough spread. Everybody was either pulling for silver or bronze, and nobody's pulling for gold. Except one man. <laughs> and this is where the magic happens. And Enoharo told the Hungarians, fuck it, we're pulling for gold. And he could have pulled for silver instead. And the way he looked at it, I had him on the podcast, it's going to drop shortly, make sure you listen to it. He said, I am already on the podium. What's the difference if I'm standing to the left or the right of the world champion, if I'm already on the podium? I have an opportunity right now to possibly become the world champion. Load up 385 kilo, 847 pounds. And this is a 183 pound man, 83 kilo class. It's fucking ridiculous. And when Delaney Wallace walked off the platform after missing his third and final deadlift, he's thinking and reasonably, no, no, not he's thinking the American coaching staff are thinking and reasonably you're good. Everybody else is pulling for silver and bronze. Nobody's threatening. You're good. And Delaney said, I'm not good. I have a sick feeling in my stomach. I'm not good. Something's going to happen. I think Inoharo is going to pull for gold. And Mike Z said, and this is what Delaney said on the podcast, he would literally have to pull the earth to catch up to you at this point. And then within, we all know... <laughs> The change attempt came and the Hungarians hovered around the table and the change attempt was the pull for gold, 385 kilo. And it was, oh my God, standing room only. Everybody's hovering around the monitors. Everyone's hovering around the side of the stage. Everybody at the front is out of their seats, on their feet, including yourself, even though I'm commentating. And this is when Enoharo is pulling 847 pounds for the most crazy deadlift attempt in the in the gold medal. Now, I want to get your impressions both right now before we say what happens. We all know what happens here. Did you actually think he was going to break ground and this is going to be a legitimate third attempt pull? Or did you think this was, I'm going to tug on the bar, wave to the crowd, thank you very much. I just wanted to try to you know become champion because I had the opportunity. 
So I thought it was the latter. Um, so I was I was one of the people crowding around the platform, right? I'm in the like coaches shoot, like like trying to trying to get an eye. I'm like I'm like tall enough to see over most of the people. I'm like trying to trying to see what's going on, and like uh, saw the 375 loaded, and then I saw the change go in, and I was like, oh okay, he's gonna he's gonna drop it to something more reasonable, right? Um, <laughs> screen goes 375 385 and I'm like oh fuck and I'm like I can't see the scoreboard I can only see the weight that's been loaded I'm trying to do the maths in my head I'm like three he's he's pulling he's pulling to move into first place like he's he's pulling to beat Delaney on this holy holy shit um, <laughs> and you know there's like, like 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 there's this gap at the beginning of the shoot and he's sort of like like pacing there a little bit and then there's this like crush of other coaches and then the Brit, one of the british coaches next to me goes Holy fuck, he's pulling the win. <laughs> I almost said that on the year, I swear to God. <laughs> Arian. It, it would be allowed. Um, I, I was just going to say before I go is, uh, Rory, do you have to leave yet or you still got time? I got 10 minutes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what, what I was thinking, I was watching it as it was going each attempt uh, when Delaney came back and the yeah, people were like, kind of talking. It was like, okay, uh, Jerns is going, you know, the same way. He's not trying to pull for the win, so you're good. Then, like, Tim is going for the Sheffield spot, which is 800, and Delaney has 802. Hey, you're good. And then you're like, okay, uh, Anaharo only has 375. He's going to bump up his world record deadlift. You're good. Then you see the change put in for the 385, and a bunch of people who are actually hovering around the screen in the back, like the coaches and lifters, all went around to the side to go watch this 385 in, in person. And Delaney stayed back there, and like you know, he like fell to his knees. He was like looking down, <laughs> didn't want to look at it because he's he like you said he had felt this like weird feeling. Um, so I thought, yeah, you know, with with delfters, depending on how they set up and how they execute, it kind of goes one of two ways. It's like with a sumo delfter, if they really keep their back straight or like that. Maybe the bar just won't be- break off the ground. It looks really bad, but like, you know, if they break it off the ground, it's going to go, but they just couldn't get off the ground. Or sometimes like people will pull it, you know, a few inches up mid shin or just below the kneecaps, like in that leg drive. And then that kind of gets stuck. So I was like, maybe that's what's going to happen because the 362.5 was fast, but you're still going up 22.5 kilos. This is it's ridiculous. Crazy. Uh, uh, but yeah, like we had discussed on the the women's recap with these Big, big deadlifters with these long arms, you never know like what their top end is. You know, that weight's going to shorten the range of motion a little bit with their long arms or locking out just above the kneecap. Like if you just get it close there, then you can just like roll the shoulders back and lean back and lock it out. And he he pretty much did. Like he locked it out. It was just a little bit uneven for him if you want to go in a, and discuss it from your viewpoint, Ryan. Yeah, no, listen. He got it off the ground, locked this weight out, it was a little tougher than the other lifts, but it wasn't, it was surprisingly smooth and I don't want to word, use the word easy, but it came off the ground. The thing is, it was untidy where it started coming out of his, I believe it was his, I can't remember his left or his right side. And once he was actually locked out, but not locked out long enough for a down command and started coming out on grip and you knew he's not going to be, he's, he's not going to be able to get the down command on this. Cause this thing is starting to come out of his hands already. And once it started coming out the one side, his knee actually under this, the weight of the earth almost started buckling and hyper extending almost and started bending the opposite way. And it looked like he might get injured for a second there, but no lie. This thing flew up, maybe fly up. So a little strong, but this thing came up reasonably well straight into a lockout and he had 385 kilo 847 pounds 
locked out for the briefest of moments, if uneven. And it was uneven in his hands. And you had the sense, all right, he's not going to be able to lock this out because it's uneven and there's no way you're going to regain this. It's coming out of his hands. Knees started buckling. But holy shit, in terms of a feat of strength that you see in the 83 kilo class, I put this up here there with, I mean, I've been commentating every session since 2016. This is up there with anything I've seen at the Worlds. It's as fucking remarkable as anything I've seen anyways, and this is a missed lift. And Delaney Wallace said he lost about three years of his life watching this. <laughs> he, he took a knee, and he was like, he took a knee before it happened because he just knew. Everyone else is like, there's no fucking way, though, huh? There's no way this is real. And Delaney's like, I got a sick feeling in my stomach. This is real. And, um, and Anaharo came within inches of pulling off a massive upset with a crazy 385 kilo pull and literally sends a warning shot. And I don't want to give too much on the Inaharo podcast, but he talks about what his goals are to wrap up the year at the European open. You're going to want to listen to it because this, he's a junior. He's a junior. Yeah. He's a kid. He's not yet in the open and this is what he's doing. So just let that sit for a minute on where he might be next year, the following year, the totals he might end up. Because he almost locked into the 800s with a pull like that. Yeah, that, that Not, 780 that he, I was going to say, the 780 he ended up with was the European junior total record. And then obviously the Delph was the open record. And I tried to calculate all the records and I didn't do all of them, but I just tried to do the ones that looked like the biggest jumps. And from what I remember, the 362.5 Dell at the second attempt was the biggest percentage jump over a world record out of any of the other lifters. So that was like the, the biggest jump, the biggest progress on a world record that anyone hit. And that was with, you know, potentially he has 370 in him, 375 in him. So how much more does he have in him? Um, so that's just showing how crazy that that lift was. And you can't take like, first off, even though it ends on a crazy deadlift like that um and it's a bit of like a you know a bit of a showstopper event but you can't take anything the shine off of what delaney wallace achieved here coming into a massive showdown the the amount of hype between him and tim monogatti despite how the battle ends up their totals were extremely close coming into this um so that the hype was real the nominations these were real nominations and then obviously overcoming the adversity traveling to the other side of the world multiple times i was having the scare of his life with a monster like enoharo in that field and then what's going to be awaiting for him next year when enoharo is actually going to be the age into the open and all of his lifts go up um you know it's you see these things happening you see you see the the possible storylines will be going into the rematch between Tim Monogatti. If Tim Monogatti starts hitting depth because you know he's strong enough for it. Tim Monogatti adjusts on the deadlift because you know he's strong enough for it. Tim Monogatti's neck and neck with him already. Now in Ohoro's neck and neck with him. Now we have some more battles to come. And this is the field that Delaney Wallace had to overcome for 2022. And he becomes a world champion and punches his ticket to Sheffield. So it was Delaney Wallace's day. I mean, even with um, Tim, you know, he's just turning 26 this year. So he he's a young guy, too. He's going to continue to build up his numbers. Yeah. Well, these are all young guys, man. Delaney Wallace is in his 20s as well. I mean, it's um, in the future, man. The 83s, it's stacked. And Jerns is going to add more onto his total as well. I would expect next year Jerns is going to be in the 800 kilo total. 
he'll be happy to hear that. Like I talked to him a couple times at the meet, and like the first time he came and introduced me, I believe he was saying like, "Oh yeah, I heard your guys' preview show, and like you guys are doubting me, blah blah." Uh, so I had actually picked him. I'm trying to pull it up again. I had actually picked him for fourth. I had Tim as second. Obviously, Tim didn't have the day he wanted, and I had picked uh, Emilio Cometti from Italy for third, who didn't show up. So uh, Jurens came and outperformed them and got the silver medal. So yeah, you got to hand it to him. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, he did well. What did I have him picked? Do you have the, our picks from the preview show? I, I just had my own, but you you may have had him at like third or fourth as well because uh, he, he remembered <laughs> from our preview show. Well, I mean, it's fine. I think I had him at 800 kilos if he, if he put it together. So, uh, yeah. Well, fucking 800 kilos is fantastic. No, I mean, look, here's the thing, man. Tim Monagati, for sure, he's hit into the 800 kilo range. Uh, Delaney Wallace is Delaney Wallace. And um, we just, we didn't see, I think we, we were like, it's, you know, we knew what Jurens was capable of. It's just how it would shake up. I think Jurens performed around where we thought he was going to perform because his numbers were consistent with what he's previously hit. It's just the Italian didn't show up, which is big. Uh, not saying he'd beat Jurens if he would have shown up like that. They were still super tight. But Inoharo is really the one that sort of shocked us all. I mean, Inoharo is really the one that we did not see. If anyone's going to be like, you guys didn't see me coming. But even Enoharo said, I don't blame nobody for not seeing me coming. But having said all that, Jurens is going to end up in the 800 kilo range come next year as well. And it, if, all you got to do is crack into the 800 kilo range. And depending on where travel is, if you don't have to travel as bad and someone else does, you're within striking distance. So we've seen at the top end, kilos can drop 20 kilos off of a total. Let's move into the 93s. Oh, I, I'm, I just I'm want at- to... What's go that? ahead, Ari. Right. Is that Rory? No, what's that? Uh, I'm at time. I gotta go. All right. Yep. Sayonara, make me, my friend. Make, make me sound good uh, handling in the 93s. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, see you. What I just wanted to mention um, before we go to the 93s is if you wanted to give out a shout-out to our boy, King Calf. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Calf, we... Um, Hocho Yame was in the Group B and uh, literally just slip walk through nine lifts easy peasy lemon squeezy um he literally rpe eight or nine to all of them and ended off in sixth place just underneath all the big guns here um kyle graham actually from canada took a bronze medal in the squad event as well so i mean the the group b in the 83s was pretty stacked um, I think, did I say the one, two, threes there? I, I said Jurens took gold and Delaney took silver in the squad event. Well, it was Kyle Graham who took the bronze and then the bench press event, obviously Owen Hubbard and then Delaney Wallace for silver. And in the bronze medal position was Jack Soderberg from Sweden, actually. And for the deadlifts, obviously, and, uh, took it. Jurens takes a bronze medal and for the silver medal, uh, it was King Calf who took the, the silver medal from the group B. So, Calf, we did well. We had some people meddling from the Group B, and uh, I mean, I'd be shocked if Kafwe doesn't end up in Group A next year. And also, they have to load them up next year, and let's actually see some PR lifting and no more of this fucking RP8 or 9 shit. <laughs> I'm disappointed they didn't load up at the very least his last deadlift. For fuck's sake, why was why did they not let him loose and why did we watch him go nine for nine without actually trying i think it was a good turnaround for him from last year where last year the delf kind of disappointed him a little bit and he fell behind and unfortunately with this session 
uh, compared to the 74s where they knew the guy from Cameroon was out at the technical meeting before the World Championship started, they were able to put another lifter in. For this one, I believe no one knew Emilio from Italy was going to be out, so they weren't able to move someone like Caffrey into that prime time. So I believe the session only had seven lifters in 83. So yeah, Caffrey was in the earlier session, so they just focused on you know making lifts, uh, putting a big delve together, and then waiting to see what happened, and it turned out that he was able to get that silver medal in the deadlift. Um, obviously, even doing more wouldn't have got him the gold or anything like that so you know a good overall day for him and yeah like you said he'll probably be in the prime time in future years and then he can be more competitive knowing what everyone else's total is real time the thing is that wasn't a big deadlift for him that that was less than he had deadlifted three years ago that's why i'm upset fucking don't put on numbers that are three years old <laughs> fuck man i'm gonna get upset but we're gonna leave it there right. to touch to the 93s. you probably shouldn't have brought him up but we'll leave it there let's go to 93s 